Well, good morning, Open Door. It is Caleb Lynch back with you again here. Uh, happy Sunday, my favorite day of the week. Sad to not have you in the room with me, but as always, such an honor and a gift uh, to get to teach and to teach God's Word. So thanks for tuning in. Um, Buckle up. We are in our last week of our Restart series. Um, We've been in it now for a few, I think maybe six weeks now, and this is the last one. Uh, We will kick off a new one next week, but uh, I am am looking forward to today. And uh, yeah, I want to start with some prayer. I, I feel like there's some pieces to this morning, to this message that uh, I just want to put into the hands of God and um, ask that he would speak through me and use these words of Paul through Philippians um, to minister to our hearts. So let me, let me just pray for us. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your apostle Paul. We thank you for the mighty work that you did in him and in his heart and his reminder to us of who we are in Christ Jesus, and this new life, these patterns of new life that now flow out of us. Use this morning, Lord. Um, Man, use this morning, Lord, to to point people closer to you, to give people hope for the season that they are in, and to give them peace that, um, man, like last week, that is just unspeakable, undescribable. You don't even know where it's coming from, but you know that it's the peace of, of the Lord. We trust you, Lord. We give you this morning, and we thank you for this honor to get to open your word and teach it. In Jesus' name, amen. How y'all doing? You doing okay? You holding up? You doing all right? I, uh, I'm doing pretty good, but I will tell you this has been a really testing and trying season, and I know it has been for many of us. Um, I hear stories. I get emails from many of you. I talk to many of you, and I know this is not an easy time. And so just know that I am with you. Um, gosh, it's, isn't it weird? It, it feels like we're in a time where you just can't get a win. Like, no matter the words that come out of your mouth, somehow they offend someone. Um, I feel that way often right now. Um, and, and it's just one of those crazy, crazy times where um, you just feel like you're kind of stuck. You just feel like, I don't, I don't know my right from my left. Everything feels like Groundhog Day over and over again, and you almost just kind of feel stuck. And um, that's my little promo for next four weeks. We're going to do a series called Stuck, and I hope you join me in it. I'm excited for it. Um, I believe that I, I even personally, me, uh, during this season have felt really stuck. And so we've done pause, we've done restart. Uh, I didn't want to do like rewind or anything else like that, so we're going with stuck, and we'll do four weeks to finish the month of August. Um, And uh, hopefully we get a little unstuck, hopefully we get a little wind, and can we get a stinking monsoon storm soon, please, Lord. All right. Um, Today's message... The title of it, uh, I don't have a title screen for you, but I I just want you to hear it. Remember, we're talking about patterns of new life. That's what this restart is. And so the title is The Pattern of Contentment. The Pattern of Contentment. And um, I'll be honest with you, I, uh, I fear teaching messages on contentment. And I don't know what it is. 
I'm a fairly content person. It's just kind of part of my makeup. I, I really see it as a gift from God. Uh, I'm pretty even keeled. But when it comes to teaching messages on this word contentment, um, gosh, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like there is, there is great potential for it to be uh, a bit trite, if you will. Like we've all heard sayings of uh, money doesn't buy happiness or uh, just, just put on your gratitude attitude and, and, and put a smile on your face. At least you have a house over your head kind of language. And, and as true as those things are, we've heard them enough times that it, um, it kind of just goes right over our heads, doesn't it? I know it does for me. Um, sometimes contentment feels unrealistic, unattainable, in especially the climate we're in. We, we are in a time in our world where, um, it's crazy to say this, but we have uh, most of the screens that we look at have algorithms of some sort to uh, keep us dissatisfied, discontent with the lives that we are living, right? They want you to buy more, look better, spend more, vacation more, build your house nicer. The, 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 the whole consumeristic world is chasing us down, and in some ways it's winning, right? Um, this COVID time feels like so much of the freedoms that we once had are gone, like, there's so many things I can't do right now. There's so many people I can't be with. There's so many places I can't go. There's so many events I can't participate in. And um, man, is it hard to be content. Man, is it hard to be content. And it doesn't help that there's this thing called Amazon Prime. Um, I'm addicted to it, I believe. I'm, it's not been diagnosed yet by a doctor. But... When I go onto Amazon, we do all of our shopping now because of COVID on Amazon, it feels like. We haven't been to a store in years. My groceries, my ice cream, everything is on Amazon. And if it doesn't have a Prime logo next to it, the item's not available to me. Like literally, like I'll be going through and I'll be like, I need this, this, and this. And if there is not that little word Prime, I'm like, well, I guess it's not available. And the truth is there's a lot of things available, but I am so... Um, if the thing is not going to arrive to my house in less than 48 hours, I have very little interest in even having it. And so I know the climate we're living in. And, and, and as I joke, I, I know what this climate and this culture is doing to us. And um, sometimes these words of contentment just feel unrealistic, kind of like this over-spiritualized way of living life, this... Um, uh, this put on a smiley face and get through, but you're really not happy with the life you actually have. And so I get that. So much so that I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I didn't want to even teach this message. But as I look at the book of Philippians, and as we're pulling out these patterns of new life that Paul is reminding us of, how could we skip out on these next verses? And so we'll get to them. We'll get to the verses, I promise you that. I, I, I do really enjoy opening up the Word of God and reading from it. Um, but, but today I'm going to tell you three stories. And instead of trying to preach contentment at you, um, I want to tell you three stories. One will be a personal story of my own. 
One will be a story from the Old Testament and the Bible, and one will be the story that we are in of Paul the Apostle in prison and some reflections he has about contentment. So hang in there with me. Um, The first one goes like this. And and before I start it, (laughs) all, all three of these stories are going to take place over a span of maybe 10 years. And what I mean by that is the story will have happened 10 years ago, and the reflection of the story will take place in present time. So even as we're reading Paul's writing, he's writing in present time. We're reading it. It's something from the past. But as he's writing it, he's writing it in present time. So understand that about these three stories. So the story of my wife and I, her name's Kaylee. Um, She is one of the most amazing human beings on the planet Earth. And uh, that's why I married her. And she's a babe, that's for sure. Um, but we have now been married a couple of years, and we now have one child, and we are pregnant with a second child. And if you know my story, mine and my wife's story, what you know is that um, we had a really difficult time during pregnancy, during the years surrounding pregnancy. Babies, early babies, they were colicky. Um, I had the the 1 a.m. to 3.30 shift uh, with both of our babies. They cried and had colic for the first full year of their life, like did not sleep through the night, cried through the night. And I would, I would walk them um, through the halls of my house at 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. That was my shift. Uh, and then I would get up at 5 a.m. to go to one of my three jobs that I had at the time where I was coaching a cross-country team. And then I would go teach PE at an elementary school and, um, and then I would get home at 6 o'clock at night um, to my wife, who is sicker than a dog because she gets really, really sick during pregnancy and was sick every single day of the pregnancy, throwing up every day, so much so that we had doctors arriving to our house to hook her up to IV so we could keep fluids in her. Uh, just a terrible time. And... Uh, it didn't do any good to our marriage either. Um, we, uh, we talk about it all the time that we, are, we thank God that we made it through that season because it was dark, it was heavy. I don't even think we liked each other, <laughs> but we were just keeping these two babies alive um, and I was trying to keep my wife alive. And at one point, we had gotten into such a heated discussion, this is no joke, um, I literally ripped the shirt off of my own body this is, I, I tell you this, and I'm your pastor, and I apologize you had to hear that, but it's biblical. Let me give you a little verse. Genesis 37, 29, a short time later, Jacob tore his clothing, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son's many days. I was, I was doing something similar. I'm just a holy man, and I stay with the Bible teachings. So anyways, at one point, I, I literally am so angry with my, right, with my wife that I ripped the shirt off of my body. And at that moment, I said, Kaylee, we've got to go get counseling. This is not working. And you're a crazy person right now. I said these words to her. And she was. To, to, to my credit, she was a bit, bit out of control with this whole, hor- they call it hormones is what they teach me. Um, all that to say, we meet with a counselor. And the counselor hears our story And Kaylee begins to share what she's going through and her emotions and her hormones are on display in this very moment. And the counselor, this is no truth of a lie, the counselor says these words. "Um, 
hey, thanks so much for, for wanting to meet, and, and uh, boy, I wish you all the well. Um, how, how, how about we, we take a break, and we just wait until this young lady here is no longer pregnant? That was the counselor's advice. And my wife turns to me. She should be very frustrated. The counselor's pretty much just said she's crazy right now, and it's because she's pregnant. And my wife turns to me, and she says, see, I told you so. And, um, and that was our story. And so we, we got through it. And I can remember specifically, though, this counselor saying, um, guys, this is, this is just a season. This is just a season. Hang in there. This is just a season. Kaylee's struggling because there's some crazy things happening to her body. You've got a difficult baby. You're working three jobs. You're just surviving. This is just a season. In the moment... It didn't feel like a season, right? Like it felt like I was drowning. I couldn't see it as a period of time in my life that might be different than another period of time in my life. I saw it as this is my life and we are a sinking ship. We're doing okay now, okay? Another story. This is a story about a gal named Naomi, if you've read the book of Ruth, you have read this story of Naomi. I'm going to read it to you, um, and I'm reading it to you from the version of the message. So I just like how Eugene Peterson puts it. Open up your Bibles if you have them to Ruth 1. We'll jump right in now. Once upon a time, it was back in the day when the judges led Israel. There was a famine in the land. A man from Bethlehem in Judea left his home to live in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons, the man's name was uh, Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi. His sons were named Mahon and Cologne. All Ephrath, this is, see, this isn't even fair, all these hard words. We're just going to keep going. And they're from Bethlehem in Judah. They all went to the country of Moab and they settled there. Elimelech died, and Naomi was left, she and her two sons. The sons took Moabite wives. The name of the first was Orpha, the second was Ruth. They lived there in Moab for the next ten years. But then the two brothers, they died. Now the woman, this is Naomi, was left without her young men or her husband. One day... She got herself together, she and her two daughters-in-law, to leave the country of Moab and set out for home. She had heard that God had been pleased to visit his people and give them food. What we're going to do is we're going to skip down to verse 19, and even though we're only going a few verses, we're actually going 10 years. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was soon buzzing. Is this really our Naomi after all this time? But she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. The strong one, she's referring to God, has dealt me a bitter blow. I left here full of life, and God has brought me back with nothing but the clothes on my back. Why would you call me Naomi? God certainly doesn't. 
the strong one, he ruined me. And so Naomi was back, and Ruth, the foreigner, was with her, back from the country of Moab. She left during a famine. She says she left full. But when the famine showed up, when the circumstances weren't ideal, she and her family packed up shop and they went to Moab. I know for me, I have been in those seasons of life where things are not going perfect and I, I, I think the best alternative is to pack up shop and go find a new one. It seems that she lost more in Moab than she would have maybe lost had she stayed in Bethlehem. And, and the truth is, Bethlehem was just fine. It was just a famine. It was just a, it was just a season. Contentment runs hand in hand with how we view uh, God. And uh, Naomi's view of God was that uh, the, the, the deck, the hand that she was dealt of losing her husband and losing both of her sons and being stuck in a land that was not her home was uh, a hand that was dealt by the Most High God. It was she and her husband that chose to go to Moab. He didn't send them there. I, I know for myself, those are scary waters. When I start blaming God for my circumstances, I very quickly lose contentment. I lose my trust for God. And I misunderstand who he actually is and his love for me. She, she left full and she came back empty. But let me give you a different perspective. Let me, uh, let me take you to um, a different story, and this is the story of our homeboy Paul, who um, truly seems to see God in a different light, truly seems to see his life and his circumstance in a different light. When we talk about these patterns of new life that are flowing out of us, I want you to see and I want you to listen closely to one of these patterns that um, Paul is very clear about himself and about this new life in Christ that he has. Let, let me read it to you. I'm not going to put a slide up at this point. I just want to read it and I just want you to listen. So you can even shut your eyes if you want, but I just want you to listen to this. This is Philippians 4, 10 through 19. This is in the ESV. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had, not, you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned that whatever situation I am, that I can be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then he finishes, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
The inter- interesting thing about this section of Philippians, this is his like PS section. You know when you write a letter and then at the very end you write PS? This is his PS section. It's like he's saying, oh yeah, one more thing, I, I forgot the very reason I'm writing you was I wanted to thank you for the gift. You sent a guy and he brought me some gifts and man, thank you. Let's go, let's go to the first section. I want to pull out some thoughts from it, some things that are interesting, but also some things that I believe are absolutely significant. So this is just 10 and 11. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have, will you underline that word revived your concern for me? You were indeed concerned for me, and then underline this next part, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Um, First thing here is that uh, Paul is terrible at writing a thank you note. Think, think, Think about how it presents itself, right? He's like, finally, it's been a long time since you, uh, since you kind of sent me anything, and uh, I know you had some things holding you up, but, but now you, you've revived it, and um, so thanks. I rejoice. I'm super, I'm super blessed that you finally saw it fit to send me something. Oh, by the way, I, I actually didn't need any of it, but thank you. Doesn't it present itself that way? Like that would be uh, like a really backhanded thank you note. I don't think that's how he's saying it. In fact, I think some of the most significant words around this concept of contentment lie in these couple of statements. First, he rejoices in the Lord. Look, he receives this gift, and who does he turn to to thank? The Lord. Right? That's his first... He, he, that word rejoice is more like worship right? He doesn't, uh, he doesn't misplace uh, the, the gift from the giver, right? Like, um, we know this. In Scripture, it says that all good gifts are from him above, and Paul knows that. And so even as he's writing these people who, it actually was a gift from them, he says, I actually am rejoicing in the Lord for the gift that I received. That's, that's the first part of what I believe, um, when we see these things of contentment flowing out of a human being, this new life within someone, I I really think that one of those great identifiers is worship. But the next part is astounding. You underlined that word revived, And you underlined that word, you had no opportunity. That's actually one word in the Greek. You had no opportunity. Um, The only time these two words ever get used in all of Scripture are right here. Pretty cool. The word revived actually is a word um, that you would describe of a flower. It's blossoming. Um, that word revived really, really has to do with this sprouting of new life, this blossom. And, and the phrase, you had no opportunity, is more the phrase, it wasn't in the right season. It has, has to do with a season. You're now blossoming, 
Whereas you weren't blossoming before because it was out of season. Wasn't, wasn't the right time. This is incredible. Think, of, think about what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I am not going to hold this against you, the fact that it's been 10 years since you have given me a gift. I know that it was just a different season. I know it was out of season, and that's why you weren't able to blossom. I don't know the circumstances, but I know we were out of season. The word that goes with this is a word called resentment. You can either be content and have contentment, or you can live in a place of resentment. How often do I, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here, how often do I blame circumstance, blame individuals, blame wealth, blame health for my situation? When the truth is, sometimes the blessing has just not had the opportunity to blossom because it was out of season. It, it wasn't the right season. You know, in Scripture it says there's a season, like, for everything. There's a season to mourn. There's a season to grieve. There's a season to laugh and dance and rejoice. There's a season for everything. And sometimes I am resentful of the season I'm caught in because I'm not seeing the blossom. I'm not seeing the fruit that I expected to receive. And the truth is, it's just out of season. What if we could see our lives the way Paul is describing in this moment as he's writing this group of people? Man, that would be significant. He goes, I'm not holding it against you. I just, I just know there was a circumstance that kept you. Uh, it, just wasn't, it wasn't the right season. I get it. Whew! What if it was just a season? Let me, let me say this quote. I want to put it up on the screen. I, I just wrote this, but uh, contentment is not the arrival at the missing something. Contentment is the awareness, the awareness of the someone who has already promised to meet you and be your everything. If you're waiting for the someone or the something to come to your life so that you can be happy or content, it just, just might not be that season. And you might be waiting for the blossom or the blessing or the thing to make you happy. No, no, no. no the, the, the goal in all of this is to be aware of the someone that is with you. Paul says, look, 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 I, I appreciate your gift. Like, don't get me wrong, it made me feel great that you loved me, that you cared about my need, but I don't, I don't actually have need. I think it's a third concept. So if the first one is this pattern of new life, this, this contentment that flows out of us, it, it looks like worship. The second one is uh, you don't see a ton of resentment. He understands there are seasons, but the final one is like, look, I, like, like, I don't actually have need. It's an astounding statement when you think about it. It's a man who absolutely trusts in the sovereignty of God. It is a man who absolutely trusts that God loves him 
and will meet his needs. It is a man who absolutely knows and is convinced that no matter what circumstance may come his way, he's going to be all right because he has the God of the universe indwelling him and with him. He's going to be okay. I'm good. Like, I, like I don't need that. I don't need that. I, if I had, it's fine. But I actually don't have any needs. It's incredible. Let's... let's uh. Let's read what he says. He says in, in 12 and 13, he says, I, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and in every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've got to be honest with you. Can I just be honest with you for a second? There's sometimes when I read these words and I'm like, man, shut up, Paul. <laughs> like you don't actually live that way you don't actually believe like there's no stinking way like when I read it I'm like hey man it sounds good but then when I really think about what he's actually saying I'm like eh, hey, you, you can do it you know, I'm like come on man like really you know what I like about this section that he says he uses this word I've, this phrase I've learned like, like I didn't start this way it's been the seasons, the seasons um, that didn't produce the blessing or the blossom or whatever you want to call it that I thought were, it didn't. And uh, I've learned something through these seasons. I tell you that, I, I, I've learned something. Does that mean that contentment comes? You've got to have hard seasons to have contentment? you got to have the good and the bad? Yeah, maybe. Like, where do you learn that contentment if everything's just coming down the pipe really good? Right, he's saying, I, I, I've, I've learned something. But let's not mistake it here. I don't want to mistake what Paul is saying. He's not just saying, when the going gets tough, put on a smile and put on a good face and just get through it. He's not saying that. He's saying, listen, I've had it all. I've had the seasons that were really tough where I had nothing. I was starving. Like literally, it was starving to death. I, I, I've been there. And I've, I've been in seasons where I had a ton. And he's saying, but look, here, here's, here is the defining factor of all of these seasons. I had him within me that strengthened me. That's what I've learned. That's what he's saying. Do you know that that's what he's saying? He's not saying what I've learned is to have a good attitude when things get rough. He's saying, no, I've learned that no matter the circumstance, I got the big guy with me, and he is the one that provides the strength and the energy to get through it. He's the one that sustains me. It's his love that keeps me together. That's what he's saying. He's saying, here's what I've learned. When it gets dark, I know he's still with me. It's like, it's like he knows that no matter what, God's saying, I got you. I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to be here the whole time. When you're weak, I'm going to be strong. Hear me out. You're going to have seasons. You're going to have some when you're riding high. 
You're going to have some where you're stuck at home and your kids have not been in school for six months and there is in some ways no hope that they're going to be in school in the coming months and you're trying to figure out a way to keep an income, to keep food on the table, to keep your house clean, to keep your family entertained. Like I get it. Like there's going to be seasons that it just does not feel like it's going well. But there's going to be seasons too where you're riding high and I want to tell you this through both of them. It is Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit of the living God within you that will sustain you. It's not you. It's not some lucky lottery ticket. It's not how, how often you can say I'm thankful or I'm gracious or I'm gratitude or whatever you want to put or putting a smile on it. It is only the power of Jesus Christ that indwells you that will get you through. And that's why you're watching a world that is falling apart. Because they don't, they don't have this Jesus. And so they're attacking each other. They're blaming. They're fighting. They're yelling. They're screaming out for help. And they all, if they could just say, you know what? Look, I know the secret. It's him. Man. Do you know the goal of, freedom, uh, of contentment is Freedom. Did you know that that is the goal? The reason Christ Jesus comes in and dwells you and gives you power to get through these seasons and gives you this word, this amazing word called contentment, the goal is for freedom. Do you know that? Free from what people might think about you. Free from the need to have more stuff. Free from the need to find your value from others. Free from the need for your circumstances to be perfect. You're free. That's, that's what this contentment is. It's freedom. You don't think of it that way, do you? But it's freedom. What do free people do? They smile a ton. Right? Like the most free people you ever come across are the most joyful people you ever come across. You find it crazy that God used a man tied up in chains to teach the world about freedom? Every chance he's got, he just says, I'm going to rejoice. I don't mind saying it again, I'm going to rejoice. He's one of the happiest people in all of history, and it's because he's one of the freest people in all of history. Look at Paul. He, he's early on in it, he says, look, I'm, I'm free from fear. Whether I live or I die, I'm good. He's not, he's not suicidal, he's free. He goes on, he talks about freedom from his flesh. Then he goes on to talk about freedom from his status. Like, look, I was the big dog, and that didn't even matter to me. I'm free from that. He goes on, he talks about freedom from pride. He says, look, I saw the way Jesus lived. I saw the humility. I'm going to follow that. It's freedom from his pride. We just learned last week, free, free from anxiety. He's not delusional. He's not crazy. He's not being false. He's not putting on a good face. The man is free. So you're saying I have to be happy when the world around me is crumbling. No. But here's the crazy thing. Because you have him in you, you can be happy in the midst of the pain. That's what's cool. Contentment believes that no matter the circumstance, God is up to something. That's, that's part of contentment. I know God's moving. I, I want to tell you real quick the end of the story. Not my story, not Paul's story, uh, Naomi's story. Look, look, she abandoned ship because there was a little famine going on and she said, I'm going to go somewhere else. 
and um, some bad things happened. But this little girl who married one of Naomi's sons, her name was Ruth. And Ruth absolutely fell in love with Naomi. Like so much so that Naomi was like, hey, I'm going back to Bethlehem where my people are at. I hear the, I hear the living's good there. I'm going back. And she tries to convince Ruth to stay, and Ruth goes, no, are you kidding me? I'm going with you. I love you. I've been drawn in by you. Here's the cool thing. Uh, even in the midst of Naomi choosing, essentially, to curse God, right? God said, I'm up to something. This little girl, Ruth, um, she, uh, she gets used by the God of the universe through the story of Naomi through Naomi's lack of contentment. Isn't this crazy what God does? Through Naomi's lack of contentment, there comes this guy named Obed, who's through Ruth. And guess what? Obed says that he had Jesse. And that Jesse had David. And that David was the line in which the Messiah was born, Jesus Christ. Isn't this crazy? Even in the midst of our lack of contentment, I can promise you this, God's up to something. Yeah, it was a famine. We're, 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 we're in a famine right now. Like this, what we are in right now is like, feels like a famine, right? Like it's loss. It's like, I, I don't have the things I need. I'll promise you this, God's up to something. I can promise you that he is up to something. So I say this to you, stay strong. I know it's hard. But I'll tell you this, he's left you two things. He's given you this gift. He's left you two things. The first one is he's left you his spirit. He's left you the spirit of the living God within you. So that no matter the circumstance, you know, you can be confident that he's with you. He ain't leaving. He ain't going nowhere. He is inside of you for those of you who have put your trust in Jesus. And there is power in that, my friends. There is hope there is fullness of life. We've seen it for the last six weeks. There is absolute patterns of life that flow out from the Spirit of God within you. But you know what else he gave you? For these seasons, for seasons like this, where you're like, man, I can't see the blossom. You know what he gave you? He gave you his word. Like, there's an entire book that tells you the story of humanity and God himself shows you what he does. It shows you his consistencies. It shows you what he doesn't do. And you could spend some time with it. And I, I'll tell you this. One of the things I've learned, I, I don't got it all figured out. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you I got it all figured out. One of the things I've learned is that every time I open up the word of God, it gives me this peace. It reminds me of truth. It points me down a path that I can keep walking even when the circumstances feel scary and dark around me. They're doing VBS this week at our church. One of the verses they got to memorize is, um, it says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm going to read it for you in the message because it's just too dang good to not read it. This is Psalms 119, 105 through 107. By your words, I, I, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. I've committed myself and I will never turn back from living by your righteous order. Everything's falling apart on me, God. 
put me together again with, with your word. Open it up, you guys. There is hope, there is peace, there is contentment to be found on the pages of the Bible. It is transformative. What I love about that verse is this. You're holding this lamp, right? And you're on a dark path. It's, it's clear you're on a dark path, but you're holding this lamp, and, and you can't see everything. You can't see the full picture, right? You're like, like, you can't see the full picture. What you can see is enough light on the path in front of you to take your next step. That's a gift, my friends. That, that is a gift, my friends, that there is actually this book called the Bible that when you open it, when you absorb it, when you let it speak to your heart, it will illuminate the path in front of you just enough for you to go, I can take the next step. I'm scared to death right now. Things are not making sense. I've lost my job. I have no income. I'm scared to death. Open up his word. And, okay, I believe you, Jesus. I believe, God, I believe you're with me. I believe you're for real. I can take my next step. I don't need to see everything else. I can see my next step. Isn't that beautiful? You're going to be okay. It, uh, you're going to be okay. I know, I, know, I know it doesn't always feel that way, but you're going to be okay. And um, you can rejoice even in the midst of some pain. I'll just tell you that. And, and one of the reasons I know you can rejoice is that um, our boy Jesus, this one that Paul's talking about, he actually, um, he actually wins. Do you know that? Like, like he already has won. Um, there's this, uh, there's this bad guy, they call him the devil, they call him Satan, they call him Lucifer, they call him the evil one. He's got a lot of names. Um, I don't know why they give him so many names. He's, he's, a, he's kind of a jerk. Um, but he actually loses. He actually already has lost. There, there was one named Jesus who came onto this earth to join you in the mess, to experience the mess with you, and then to actually take it all and to chuck it in hell where it belongs. And he did that for you. So if he did that, you can be confident. You can be confident that even in your circumstances, he is victorious and you can be victorious. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that amazing? And that's why every single Sunday, we do this thing called communion. And it's super simple, um, but it is this beautiful representation. We take, we take a little bit of juice and we take a little bit of bread and we take both of them. We, we, we call it communion. And it is just this moment where we do actually what, what Jesus told us to do. He says, take this. Just take this and remember that I won. That, that evil lost, that darkness lost, and that I won. And just take it and celebrate it. And, and let it breathe this peace of contentment into your life, knowing the battle has been won and you have been set free. And so take it with me. Enjoy it with whoever you're with. Um, go grab whatever you got in your house and just take it in remembrance. Pray over it. Thank him. Thank him for his freedom. He bought it, he purchased it, and he loves you a ton. Thank you, guys. Hope your week is well. We'll see you soon. I love you. Hope you enjoy the worship. Bye.